You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, the podcast for marketing professionals in higher education. Join us every week as we talk to the industry's greatest minds in student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where marketing in higher ed is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. My name is Troy Singer. I'm here with Bart Kaler. And today we talk to the CEO of Hannon Hill Corporation, Kat Lingens, who is very generous with her knowledge and her recommendations on how to best manage content within a higher ed website. Kat does a great job, and I've I've respected Hannon Hill. They've got their product, Cascade CMS, and and I've been doing hired websites since the late '90s. I think Cascade came on the scene early 2000s, and uh, they've been kind of one of the leaders in the space for content management. Kat really goes into some some really practical tips on how to how to look at how to manage the content on your website, regardless of the CMS that you're using. This is, a, this is not a commercial for Hannon Hill by any means, but really we wanted to kind of talk to some experts about what are some of those best practices? I mean, when you're looking at, you know, you've got faculty, you've got um, student life, you've got all kinds of people that are, are going to be, you know, authors for your website content. What's the best way to kind of manage all that and, and make sure that you're kind of showing different aspects of your your university. So she talks about diversity of voice and just some other really practical elements that I think are really uh, applicable to any school. So I really appreciate this conversation. Here's your opportunity to listen in to our conversation with Kat Lingens. Kat, we're excited to have you on the podcast today. And before we get into the meat of our conversation, would love to ask you to share something fun or exciting that you may have learned recently and you think our audience would love to hear about. Thank you, first of all, for having me on your show. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So just the other day, I actually read something that was fun, interesting, and higher ed related. So I wonder if you might have heard about this already. But did you know that Kermit the Frog actually has an honorary doctorate from Southampton College? And that was for his contributions to environmental education. So I think he actually even gave a commencement speech there sometime in the 90s. So I thought that was sort of relevant and kind of fun. I did not know that, but that'll be wonderful to look up. So thank you. And yes, (laughs) that checks off all the boxes. (laughs) (laughs) Kat, if you would... Please tell everyone briefly of who you are and the organization you represent. So my name is Kathleen Jens. I'm the CEO um, at Hannon Hill. And Hannon Hill is a company, software company, uh, located in Atlanta, Georgia, that was founded in 2001 by David Cummings, who also is the founder of Pardot and uh, one of the main investors in a lot of other really great companies like Salesloft and Calendly. But Hannon Hill was actually his first company. And so from day one, our product, which is Cascade CMS, uh, was really intended to help colleges and universities manage their websites and most importantly, to increase the um, effectiveness of their digital presence. So fast forward these days, Cascade powers thousands of higher ed websites. And it's also complemented by another product of ours, which is Clive. It's a web personalization tool that helps higher education 
show targeted content to visitors based on what you know about them. So I started at Hannon Hill in 2009, have been the CEO since 2011. Um, and I'm originally, fun fact, um, born and raised in uh, Germany. Thank you. And to our listeners, Kat has graciously agreed to come onto the podcast and kind of share some of the learnings and the trends that she sees in general around CMS from her seat. And maybe if we're good enough, we can get a couple of trade secrets that will be to the benefit <laughs> of our listeners. But wanted to start out and ask you about your thoughts around diversity of voice when it comes to CMS and websites for colleges and universities. And I think there is a thought or a trend out there that we should pare down or maybe decrease the contributors that are participating and would love for you to take that subject and give us your thoughts and what you're seeing and maybe some recommendations that higher ed marketers can look to. It's actually a very interesting phenomenon. And we check in with all of our customers, you know, multiple times a year just to see how they're doing, what their strategy is, where they're going, you know, what their challenges are. And of course, we talk to prospects all the time as well. So I've heard the same thing, that there is some thought about maybe paring down uh, the number of content contributors. And uh, it's actually something that I don't necessarily agree with because higher education has definitely recognized that even just for recruiting purposes, it's it has to appeal to a broader audience than, than ever before, right? So the, the pool of college-bound high school students is, is greatly diminishing, as I'm sure you know. I, I, I know I've heard you guys talk about this quite a bit. That's a trend that's going to continue at a very steep level. So with that, most colleges and universities know that they have to focus on additional personas, not just the high school graduates. So they need to appeal to people looking for continuing education, uh, military and veterans is a, is a new demographic um, that's recently gained a lot of attention. Career changers, international students, now that the pandemic is, uh, you know, back, is, is dying down, hopefully, uh, you know, for, for a long time. Um, international students are, are back as target audiences. So since your, your web content really needs to resonate with all of these different types of visitors, it absolutely needs more diversity of voice and diversity mm -hmm. of message. And so if you then add the fact that diversity in itself is something that most of your audience these days values, specifically Gen Z, but really everybody, um, and needs to see proof of on your website. Um, and also considering that storytelling and presenting your college or university in the most authentic ways possible tends to render better results, it's very clear that your content needs to come from, from more than just the marketing department. Uh, so paring down, I don't think is going to be the answer. In fact, I think you, know, you, you really should consider scaling up. Mm. So, so when I hear higher ed marketing teams trying to pare down the number of contributors, it does make me cringe a little bit because it means that, that they're foregoing a huge opportunity to, to tell very personal stories that, in my opinion, in a lot of ways can be more memorable than, than even something like employment statistics, as important as they are. Prospective students really want to hear from current students. They want to hear from alumni. 
and they want those stories in in authentic voices and yeah it's not it's not even just students look at look at the brain power that every higher education institution has at their fingertips it's mm. really remarkable there are so many people at a university who change the world on a daily basis people that are so passionate about their field and, and who come from so many different walks of life there are so many awesome stories let those stories shine. Let them inspire your audience, expand, empower them. It seems like that's a really good way for colleges. I mean, so many times we talk about, you know, mission fit, you know, trying to find the right student that's going to fit very well at your institution. And and I think being able to give them more information, give them more stories that, that has that diversity of voice is going to help them recognize, uh, is, is that the type of institution that they're going to fit well? I mean, I, I was often talking to uh, somebody recently, we had Bob Johnson on the on the uh, program a few uh, few weeks ago, as as far as you know, expert in higher education website marketing, I mean, he's been doing it for a very long time. And you know, we talked a lot about the idea that there's really you know three things that people are looking at when they come to a, a higher ed website. There, you know, one, am I going to be a good fit at this institution? And I think what you just talked about, the diversity of voice, is so important to that. But then also the you know, do you have my major? Do you have the program I'm looking for? And then can I afford to come to this institution? And I think that that first element of diversity of voice is going to be so, uh, so important, not only to kind of represent your school, but also attract those right kind of students. I mean, are you seeing that in some of the conversations you're having with your with your clients and, and prospective clients as well? Absolutely. Um, I, I think one of the main uh, objections that I hear is that it's all about the, the consistency, the brand consistency. And so while, while I do think that it is important to, to deliver a, a consistent experience to your visitors, to me, it really relates more to the, to the presentation layer, the page layout and, and other aspects of that. Um, and that's really, you know, what a CMS does best. Right. Um, but when it comes to content, it is absolutely, like you said, it's critical to tell those personalized stories and to um, make sure that you present your organization in the most authentic way, because as you indicated here, you want to attract the right types of students. And at the same time, you also want to, for, for lack of a better word, repel <laughs> the wrong types of students. Right. They are just not good fits for, for you know, a variety of reasons. I've been such an advocate for widening the pool of your contributors to see, you know, to give every prospective student or even other member or other target audience to, to give them an idea of what it feels like, what is you know what are the people like that that attend, to see if there's a cultural fit, if there's a, a fit in terms of the goals that I'm trying to achieve, um, and so to me that's why I I can't advocate enough for this diversity of voice and you know now with you know so many tools being out there to help with personalized content delivery. You can actually even take it a step further and you can show the most relevant stories to each segment of your audience. So you can say, okay, well, you know, if somebody has exhibited this type of behavior on, on my website or has searched for these particular terms or expressed an interest in a certain program page um, or indicated that they're a graduate student, I can also find out about their location then have all the technology at your fingertips already to then say, okay, this person might really benefit from this student story because that really will resonate with them. It's so similar to, to their profile. That gives us a great idea when it comes to the overall face of the university. But 
would like to now talk about strategy and how proper CMS management can be to the benefit and to the advantage of both schools. And I guess specifically, since our audience is comprised of higher ed marketers, how it can help them in their roles. So for me, a good CMS needs to primarily keep content contributors focused and help them understand how they can make their content more effective. And, and I think that not, not enough CMSs focuses on that, on, on those things. Um, a lot of it is more about dragging and dropping and creating the, this, this presentation layer. Um, but, you know, but that's not really the job of your content contributors. Most CMSs can be configured for specific groups and roles. And so a, a good CMS, some a CMS that is ideal for higher education should really allow you to customize the way that each contributor actually interacts with the system down to specific content entry fields or formatting buttons. Um, and that way you can ensure this brand consistency that is still very important, right? That is the reason mm -hmm. why everybody thinks, oh, we should pare down. No, you can absolutely enforce this brand consistency while still you know, putting all the guardrails in place and encouraging more content contributors to share their voices and their stories. And um, yeah, I also think that for, for CMS, specifically for higher education, you know, who, you know, in my heart of hearts needs more content contributors, um, a good CMS helps eliminate distractions for content contributors, right? So you don't show non-technical authors things that that are not really your job. If they get overwhelmed in the CMS because they see things and alerts that they can't do anything about or you know, prompt them to be the QA people for the presentation on, in different browsers, that, that to me is distracting. Let them focus on content. And I think that's what a CMS can do pretty effectively. And then when it comes to making their content more effective, show them action items that matter an alert that content seems to be outdated or approaches a certain expiration date, so to speak. Content becomes stale. You don't want that. So you want your contributors to get those nudges. Um, other nudges may be, hey, you might have a broken link on your, on your page. You might want to fix that. Or maybe a nudge to check the readability of a certain piece of content because that mm -hmm. can be a challenge in, in higher education because academics tend to write for academics, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, even just nudge them to add appropriate metadata. So um, a system that gives them those action items and helps them prioritize items and then eliminate distractions, I think that's really important. Finally, I guess to put the marketers' minds at ease, ensure that the CMS has proper guardrails in place so that you can, you know, prevent unvetted content from, from going out on the live side. And that's mm -hmm. especially important for public institutions because if, you know, content that is not correct goes out, they have to actually report that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, those are the things that I would recommend. And I think that one thing that's important to kind of put out for the listeners too is that, you know, I think Kat's talked a lot about the uh, different, uh, you know, aspects of how a good CMS can help you to do that. And I think that's ultimately important. But I think it's also, you can't just expect software to do something that relationships also need to do. And so I think that as we're talking about this, I mean, certainly having 
tools in place and having guardrails in place is important. But I think it really is a big part of the responsibility of the marketing team to build those relationships, to provide some training, some professional development for your content authors so that you know, we're not just expecting them to just log in and do, I mean, you're going to be doing training on the CMS to begin with. Why not take the time to then also train them on the type of content that you're helping, wanting them to help with the kind of content that's appropriate to put out, you know, how that can be as, as Kat mentioned, I mean, we're not writing for academics, helping them understand that, you know, if, if your website is really going to be an enrollment driven website where the primary function is to build enrollment into your, into your school. I mean, a lot of big publics, as you mentioned earlier, the, the websites are a little bit different there, but for yeah. some of the smaller schools, I mean, you're really, your website is your bread and butter to kind of, it's the first and most important influencer. We've seen that on, on, on countless uh, data, you know, surveys that, that that's what students are looking at. And so I think it's really important for us to not only, um, you know, provide the guardrails through software, but also build those relationships and those partnerships with your content authors so that they understand what the goal is, what the strategy is. We're not just giving them tools that they can, you know, put their data into, but there's a reason and, and, and why we're trying to do it beyond just the brand. It's, it's, it's what we're trying to do to achieve certain goals. And Kat, I'm sure that that's part of what you're seeing as well as the most successful schools are the ones that are not just, you know, giving the keys over, but they're also helping people understand how to use the tool. Yes, 100%. And I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, technology can only, <laughs> can only provide so much guidance our most successful customers, they constantly have little tutorials on how to write for the web. I think that is really important. And this has nothing to do with compromising the unique voices of your right. uh, contributors. It's just even simple things like making your content more skimmable or using certain words over other words. Those little things that can you know, greatly influence the way that somebody experiences your content. So I think, you know, you know, you need, you need the right technology, but at the end of the day, you can't underestimate the enormous human component and uh, making sure that your content contributors are comfortable and they, that you all pull in the, in the same direction, right? Yeah. You, you don't have to use the same voice, but you, you, know, you have to be on the same, in the same songbook. And we're all stronger together. I mean, we, we had a recent conversation with Neil Ford about that is the idea that we're all stronger together. Let's lean into that and let's make sure that we can, you know, really highlight our strengths. And I think that's a really good way to go. Mm-hmm. Kat, I would be curious to know what you see in other verticals that how that compares to what you see through higher or in higher ed. And maybe there's a couple things that if you could suggest that happen within other verticals that higher ed could gain from if they adopted them. Can you kind of take us through that? To me, I mean, just the sheer number of potential content contributors is a huge, huge benefit that most other verticals just don't have. And to me, that is, that is, you know, one of the big, big, uh, differences between higher ed and other verticals. The other component that I'm seeing, and that has probably to do with the the mission and everybody rallying behind what the college or university is about, and it, it is about literally changing the world. But a result of this is that marketing in in higher education tends to be a lot more emotional mm. than, um, than in any other vertical that, that I've worked with, at least. 
even just going through content audits, you know, it's it's not just a, just a creating the spreadsheet and deciding what to do with it. Even content audits can be really emotional in higher ed because they care so much about the their mission and their content. And I know that um, a lot of people often joke about how everyone in higher education wants their content to be on the homepage, <laughs> uh, which is which goes goes along with the emotion of it. And and I think that is because they feel so strongly about their content, about their mission, and they care so much. And I think another another interesting aspect of, of higher ed that is that it doesn't really neatly fall into the B2C category. <laughs> in in some ways, even it's it's it has components of a of B2B marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yes, there is a huge emotional component, um, but it's also a huge decision. It's one of the biggest decisions that somebody's making in their young lives. The quote unquote sales cycle is, is, is a bit longer, right? So not only do you have to you know, appeal to the emotions of your audience, but you also have to balance that with you know, some rationality. Um, so I think that that is a little bit different. It's not just buying a new gadget or buying a new wallet. It's just such a huge investment. So you really have to balance those things. And then most of the time, there's there's more than one influencer in the decision. You know, the, the parents play a big role. Um, their peers play a big role. All those things make me feel like higher education marketing does have a lot of the B2C aspects to it, but it's, you have, almost has to have to treat it a little bit like a B2B uh, as well. And then I guess another thing, and that's changed a little bit, but traditionally higher education in general was considered to be I guess you could call it a bit digitally shy, um, mm-hmm. as well as maybe reluctant to to you even use marketing terms such as right. leads and conversions. I know that you know a few years ago leads was almost considered a, a four letter word. <laughs> um, but that's definitely changed over the years. So that's something that that has has changed. Where I see higher education marketing becoming a little bit more like other verticals, and they're no longer afraid now to recognize that their site is a marketing tool or a recruitment tool and ultimately a driver of, of revenue. So with that, I'm seeing more higher education organizations embracing technologies like A-B testing, personalization that traditionally other verticals have embraced you know, much more quickly. Yeah, I think those are some really good points. And I know that we've had several guests on the uh, on the podcast who have come from the business background, but now are in higher education. And and they've often said, I'm thinking of Brian Kenny from Harvard Business School said, you know, that uh, that higher education is one of the most difficult marketing roles he's ever ever been a part of because of the diversity of the voice, the constituencies, the passion that people have about what they're doing. And, and, you know, and, and I think that even in, in some of the best families, those families that are kind of at conflict, those are the ones that actually do the best and that, that really are the most successful. And I think that that's one thing we can be proud of in higher education is that I think that sometimes that conflict creates the best things, but it's only again, when we work together. And I, I love the fact that you've talked about the fact that we we've, we're now adopting some of those business terminologies about leads, about, you know, success and all those different metrics that we're doing, but at the same time, recognizing that it's not as clean cut as a B2C or a B2B type of business. Um, you know, so many times we've talked about the website being the the number one influencer and in the way that, you know, school, that students learn about schools or, or, or they make their decision, but right behind that is mom. 
she yep. always comes in number two. And so we've <laughs> got to make sure too, that part of the constituency that we're doing on the website is generating content that mom's looking for. And, and I think that sometimes we miss that as higher ed marketers is we're so focused on that prospective student and we miss the fact that there might be those key influencers that we can also be impacting. And so, I mean, what are some of your, your clients talking about in those situations as far as how to really use their website for those influencers? I think that's one of the reasons why personalization has, you know, taken off in, in the, in the way that it has it, even just changing the terminology. So for example, you know, if, if you talk to mom, you know, mom wants to be certain that your their child is safe. Right. right. But you would never refer to, a, you know, call a prospective student, a child to their face. <laughs> <No. laughs> so insulted. Right. But the mom needs that reassurance. So what I've seen is that, that um, people are, or universities are embracing more of a personalization. Um, the content is, you know, specifically for parents is different. Um, not just not just the topics, but even the, the terminology in some ways. I've seen specific sections on the site dedicated specifically to parents and then organizations using those page views as a trigger to then serve up more content on the site that is more focused on parents. Change the images out, change the, the even the topics. I think even though prospective students certainly are interested in some of the non-academic topics like security and safety, I think that's, you know, even more of, of interest to, to the parents. I work a lot with Tim Fuller. He was on the podcast recently and, and, uh, and I know at each institution is differently, but when you talk about faith-based institutions, parents really want to understand, is this institution going to reflect the way that I've raised my children? Because that's yeah. part of the reason why they want to go to a faith-based institution. And so many times I think those types of schools often miss out on the opportunity of letting the faculty have that diversity of voice to be able to tell that story so that rather than just having tr traditional CV and, and some of the accolades on, on, on where they've gotten their doctorate and where they've studied, we need to add a level of personality, especially for that audience, for mom and dad to be able to see, okay, I trust this faculty with my student or whatever, or with my child, it would be the better way to say it. <laughs> and I, I think that that's just one example, but I think the same applies to, you know, Hey, my son or daughter is getting ready to go to a state school. How can I, it's much bigger than the high school that we've come from. How yeah. can I be assured that they're going to fit in and, and being able to, you know, assuage those types of concerns through content with that diversity of voice from, you know, from the student life perspective, from the admissions perspective, from mm -hmm. the faculty perspective, or, or those support, you know, situations on campus. I think that's a really great point that you bring out, Kat, and I'm glad that you've kind of, kind of indicated that. And I think that would be a, a really good thing for anybody with any website to really implement. Kat, my last question for you today would be, if, you would have an additional thought or idea that could be implemented right away that you would offer a higher ed marketer, what would that be? Well, as your audience is getting more diverse and basically expects a more personalized web experience because they get personalized experiences everywhere they go, yeah. take the first steps with it. Um, and, and you can really start small. Uh, you don't have to write 10 different versions of each piece of content. You can start small by even just showing different images to different individuals based on how they interact with your website, based on the form submissions that they've done or you know their location. 
And our customers typically see an immediate increase in conversions once they add even just the basic personalization scenarios to their site. Um, and then I will say uh, another maybe less obvious benefit of personalization is that it can really take some of the politics out of your website, which as we talked about, it's, it can be very emotional. It can be very political to navigate those waters, specifically in higher education. So yes, everybody wants their content on the homepage, but you can say, sure, we'll put your content on the homepage, but we will show it only to the people to whom it's relevant. Right. And so I think that eliminates a lot of the political challenges. And so and then you can say, and we'll do the same thing for other departments and other contributors. Starting small with personalization, this is something that you can implement pretty much immediately, even if it's just by swapping out some images. Kat, thank you very much for our conversation today. Appreciate you being willing to, in general, convey and offer tips that you see and the trends that you're seeing in the marketplace as it comes to CMS. For anyone who would like to reach out to you and have further discussions, what would be the best way for them to reach you, B? My email address is very, very easy. It's just kat, K-A-T, at hannonhill.com. And yeah, I'm always up for discussing trends, discussing some strategies. So if anybody in the audience wants to reach out to me, please do, don't be shy. Brian Bart, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you. The pleasure has been ours, and I look forward to our continued conversations, Kat. Bart, do you have any thoughts that you would like to share? As you kind of uh, digest this this uh, episode, you know, be sure to go back and always look at the show notes, look at the transcript. I think there's some really good uh, elements there. But you know, just I think the idea of diversity of voice, I think Kat's really explained it well. Give plenty of opportunities uh, across your website for that diversity of voice, I think it's going to add to a better representation of your school. It's going to help your prospective students and families understand who, exactly who you are better. And it's going to be beyond just, um, it's going to make your website so much richer and deeper than just, uh, you know, a brand standards type of institution. And I also think that, you know, just kind of talking about how to engage that diversity of your content contributors across the institution, making sure that you go beyond just the tech. I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, hey, you've got uh, permissions to edit these six pages. It's giving them not only the tools, but also the knowledge and the, I guess, more of the confidence to go in and do it well and to do it the way that uh, that's based on the strategy that you've developed in the marketing team. And so be sure to pull them in on that, give them the resources that they need. I thought that was some really good examples that Kat gave. And then also just kind of remembering that there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, you're going to be having emotion. Uh, when we talk about these things and be ready for that and, and be empathetic toward that. Recognize that it's not a, a we versus them, you know, marketing department versus the rest of campus. It's we're all in this together and let's make sure that we, you know, operate in that way together. And I think those types of things. And then I love the comments that Kat left us with, the, with the personalization. I think as we start to see more and more things, especially with artificial intelligence come on, how can we leverage those tools to really make it more of a personal experience? I mean, we're all used to what's going on. We expect it now when we go to Amazon or Netflix that that they're going to suggest things for us. We need to get into the habit of also doing that for our prospective clients and, and our prospective students and families to be able to help them navigate 
navigate higher education, especially for those first generation students, the more we can personalize, the more that we can make that uh, less fearful, the better it's going to be. So Kat, thanks again for joining us today. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bart. Great way to close our episode. I do want to highlight and thank our team. First and foremost, our producer, Rob Conlon at Westport Studios, who helps us every week to get a wonderful episode out there. Also, our friends at Kaler Solutions, who Bart leads, a marketing and branding agency specializing in higher education. And by Ring Digital consistently providing double-digit increases in yields for institutions by directly connecting them to the devices of their valued enrollment funnel lists every day. Again, to our listeners, thank you for listening. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. The Higher Ed Marketer is a production of Kaler Solutions and Ring Digital in partnership with Westport Studios. Views and opinions expressed by guests on The Higher Ed Marketer are their own and may not reflect the views and opinions of their organization. Know someone who's a mover and a shaker in higher ed marketing? Visit www.higheredmarketerpodcast.com and click on our Contact Us page. We'd love to have you tell us about them. Until next time. Oh,